out there, and welcome to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com. I'm Caleb, and joined by Alan, and we have had a crazy, crazy week uh, over here. Um, and it's, you know, uh, I, I feel like our week has been even less crazy compared to Coach Shane Beamer and Nicholas Harbor and everyone that was kind of involved in uh, the decision-making process for that over the last couple of days. Um, maybe some other people surrounding those people that also probably had a busy, busy few days. Um, so before we get started, I did just want to share a little bit of what Shane Beamer said about that process and what Nicholas Harbor said about that process yesterday. And then I'll kind of tell you a little from my perspective what happened over the last uh, 24 to 36, 48 hours, whatever. Um, but yeah, Nicholas Harbor, five-star athlete, uh, pretty much um, the top uh, recruit that was left on the board yesterday that was going to sign yesterday. There is one more that's unsigned, but he also may go the baseball route, uh, like pro baseball route. So we'll see how all that plays out. But, um, you know, the, the national spotlight was on South Carolina yesterday, was on Nicholas Harbor yesterday, um, and he picked South Carolina. So pr- pretty crazy there, but l- let's listen to the to uh, this feedback from uh, Shane Beamer at his press conference. And then um, I have a clip from Nicholas Harbor from uh, Adam Gorney uh, at Rivals National, who uh, had an exclusive interview with him. You can find all this stuff on uh, GamecockScoop.com, by the way, if you're looking for the full clips. But uh, let's check this out. The last 24 hours, really the last 12 have taken hours off, years off my life. I, I think, to be honest with you, Alan. Um, um, you know, first of all, there's a lot that we, I shouldn't say overcome, but there was a lot going on here with his situation and the schools that were recruiting him and, and the, the opportunities that those other programs uh, presented on and off the field, the track, whatever it may be. Uh, so there was a lot to, that we we were in a battle, and next door, up in the team meeting room, we have our core values up there, and compete is one of them, and we competed our butts off with this one, and uh, like ever like everyone that we recruit, emotion wise, I've I felt good about Nick all along. I really did. Uh, had an amazing home visit with him last week up in D.C. that we didn't walk out of there till after 11 o'clock at night uh, when we visited with he and his family last week. Felt really, really good. I mean, he hadn't told me he was coming, but I felt great about where we stood all weekend. I talked to him multiple times on FaceTime uh, Monday and yesterday. Went to bed last night feeling good. I got a message from him um audio message or whatnot at 2 57 a.m today um that wasn't good and obviously didn't sleep after that uh as well laying in bed trying to figure out what's going on and whatnot and then this morning has been just a uh, range of emotions back and forth trying to answer some questions and and i think for nick it was real i don't want to speak for him but i think he all along felt most comfortable here and wanted to be here it was just, um, you know, a lot of people that 
in his network that that they were he was trying to get everybody was trying to get on the same page and there was a lot coming at him too as a as a young man as well so the emotions for me were certainly a whirlwind today back and forth good and bad uh but uh see him put that hat on was a i'll be honest with you a pretty emotional moment for me justin king asked me if i needed some privacy before he wanted to film me and i told him for one time i told him no but in true justin fashion he was lurking outside my office and then came in there as soon as he announced uh as well but i think it's just the emotion not just of that column but of all the i mean i met nick harbour when i was coaching in oklahoma and i went into high school when he was a freshman in high school and i've known him since then know the family and just knowing what he all right, so that's uh, Shane Beamer talking about the last, you know, forty-eight hours or whatever the, the hours leading up to the recruitment, and then, like I said, we have a Rivals exclusive interview with Nicholas Harbor on GameCockScoop.com. It's free; you can you can check it out on the front page. It actually might have moved to the second page now. You might have to hit. Oh, a lot now. of content the last few days. <laughs> there's, there's been a lot going on, um, but yeah, let's uh, let's listen to what Nick had to say about that same time period, and then I'll tell you what I was dealing with uh, through that same time period. I do really appreciate how um, candid uh, Beamer was yesterday about all of that, because sometimes you know, uh, you you know a lot went on behind the scenes, but you're not sure how much to share and all that. And um, I mean, I feel like he was very candid, and that timeline matches up pretty much exactly uh, to how i was feeling which i'll i'll get into in just a second so here is nick harbour talking about his last 24 hours before the commitment process here uh last few days was chaos um just going through it all going through all the mixed emotions you know going from one place to another so i do this i do that so it was just just back and forth in my mind but you know finally this morning you know i finally woke up and said this is where i'm going this is what I want to do with my life. So, you know, at the end of the day, it was my decision you had to make. So I feel like I made the right one. Why was it South Carolina? A lot of other great schools involved and had been recruiting you for a long time. What was it about the Gamecocks that stood out so much? Um, well, it's being involved. Um, Coach Green is doing a special process. You know, a special place there. You know, he's bringing in everybody. Right now, he's the hottest recruiter in America. You know, he just keeps just keep doing it. He just keeps bringing it in. And, you know, I just want to be a part of that. You know, he, you know everybody's ready to pitch the whole team. You know, like, come on, you, we need you. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to think about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I say, you know, South Carolina is the place I want to go. So, you know, at that point, I say, you know, let's do it. All right, so that was Nick Harbour on kind of his last uh, 24 to 48 hours as he was making that decision. Um, ultimately, I do think it came down between South Carolina and Oregon. At least that's most of the info that I was getting. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's go back to that that timeline. Everyone said, or Shane Beamer said he felt pretty good uh, when he went to bed on, uh, what, Tuesday night, um, and then he woke up at, 2.57 in the morning and did not feel so good. Um, so that's kind of exactly the timeline that, that I felt. I put in a future cast for Nick Harbour to South Carolina on August 29th. Uh, you can go, you know, look at the article I wrote uh, that week and check the receipt or, or whatever you want to do there. Um, and of course, he had an official visit to Oregon, which we talked about a lot, a lot uh, in the weeks leading up to it. Um, how the, you know, the fact that they were getting the last visit was going to be impactful, their track program, uh, the Nike money, you know, all that sort of stuff was, 
was going to play a factor. Um, and that definitely had me a little nervous for that pick. But by the time Tuesday night rolled around, I was the sources that I was talking to, I was feeling pretty confident, just like uh, Shane Beamer said. Um, and then I went to bed. I'm, I'm in mountain time. So I went to bed at like maybe 10 to midnight East Coast time. And the only thing that kind of gave me a little bit of wariness and pause right before I went to bed was I was reading some stuff from uh, the Rivals Oregon site. Great site, by the way. Everyone in the Rivals Network killing it. Um, and they mentioned basically that Phil Knight had met with Nick Harbour on the official visit. And that was kind of new information to me. Uh, I think we were the first to report that. But, you know, uh, there's with sources that a lot of people have shared sources. Who knows You know when all that came out. But I think we were the, I, I reported that at like maybe nine something p.m. on Tuesday on the Insiders Forum, which, you know, plug for that. Uh, for those of you that aren't subscribed, you can get some early info there. But uh, that definitely gave me a little bit of like, hmm, that definitely seems like they prioritized him. And the way that uh, the insider at Oregon that I talked to um, or that I, I was reading, you know, some of his information um, described it was basically that Harbor that that Phil Knight doesn't just throw around money to the entire rec recruiting class or anything like right. that, but that Harbor had because of his his track status and his uh, potential as a future Olympian and all these sort of things he had earned, you know, exceptional NIL opportunities or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I had also heard that South Carolina, you know, I I, I don't know exactly numbers or we're not going to get into all that, but um, that South Carolina felt good about their nil offerings as well um so anyway i went to bed everything felt pretty good for south carolina i wake up to a text <laughs> um obviously can't say who or whatever but uh it said beamer says it isn't them so that's how i start my wednesday morning and i was like oh, okay so we have things have changed i was asleep um i start to you know continue to ask around whatever and I get to the point that I'm like, all right, it, it sounds like it's Oregon at this point. Um, so I flipped my future cast at like, I don't know, uh, 11 a.m. yesterday. I, I got that text at like 9.30 a.m. And then after asking around, felt like, okay, the, the people within South Carolina's program really don't feel very confident right now. Um, and then uh, I, I didn't play this clip, but yesterday Shane Beamer did a interview with uh adam gorney right national which you can also check out on gamecockscoop.com right now if you want to watch that it's like eight minutes pretty good um he said something like he didn't know until an hour before and even then he was like watching uh the tv with anticipation and that matches up to the timeline of kind of what we heard so i think i didn't feel very confident and nick ultimately landing with South Carolina until about 30 minutes before his announcement. <laughs> and then, but, you know, we sort of frantically were like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to flip my future cast back to South Carolina, <laughs> which was kind of crazy. Like I, it was South Carolina from the 29th until three hours before his announcement. And then I flipped it to Oregon for two hours and then flipped it back to South Carolina. But I mean, that was in line with the, the information that we were gathering yesterday and I don't like to be wrong. So I was, uh, <laughs> I was, that tracks with what, uh, what Beamer said in the press conference yesterday too. Someone asked what his communication directly with Harbor was like yesterday. And he said he hadn't talked to him 
direct stuff with a couple times in the morning. You know, we talked to um, Jody Wright, you know, tight ends coach. Talked to Sterling Lucas, defensive ends coach. The idea is, you know, those are the two guys who were really key in on the recruiting. And he said he was talked to Harbor as he was getting to the high school where he made his announcements so about an hour before. And that was the last time we talked to him. So that timeline of talking to Nicholas Harbor directly an hour before his announcement tracks with what you heard and what Shane told Adam and I guess everything else we're hearing too. Yeah, it's uh it was a really, I mean, it's fun. Like there's, I've, this is the first time that I've been a part of something like this, by the way, as of this week, uh, gamecockscoop.com is like a year old. Look at us. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we took over, things and join the 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 rivals network about a year ago this week so happy to be here thanks for everyone that supported us uh we're just getting started honestly and um hopefully over the last year you've seen us grow and our sources get better and all those sorts of things so uh big things coming into the future but yeah so i uh this is the first time that i've dealt with a national level recruit like this um, and dealt with the like reading the tea leaves leading into it. And um, it was really fun. Like there's not a whole lot of national signing day drama anymore with the way that um, the early signing period has kind of taken over. And that felt like a, you know, old school, uh, you know, fight all the way up to the very yeah. end. And it sounds like it truly was like, it, it sounds like even Harbor himself was kind of going back and forth. It, it doesn't sound like this was like uh, gamesmanship or, or trying to, uh, like keep everyone on their toes. It sounds like he truly was struggling. And and the way I, you know, the way I had potentially written uh, an, an article, if he had gone to Oregon was like, it it's really a good sign that South Carolina even gave him this much to think about with the sort of infrastructure that you're up against with Nike and Oregon, all those sorts of things. Um, and you know you you beat all of that. I didn't even have to write the uh, the close loss sort of article. So it's it's kind of hard to under overstate how huge this recruiting win was. Um, I mean, South Carolina was blasted all over the national media, all over Twitter, all over everything yesterday, um, and deservedly so. I mean, that was a that was a big boy recruiting battle that you just won yes. against Phil Knight in Oregon against a blue blood in Michigan and against the home state school. Yeah. Maryland, Maryland. Yeah. Maryland um, six miles from his high school. That's cool. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I wrote yesterday too. Just um, if I'm going to plug my own. One of the things I did yesterday um, kind of, I wrote about this is that resonates places beyond here, which is something Shane Beamer said. He was talking about that as a national recruit who made his announcement literally on ESPN or maybe ESPN too. I think the Tom Brady retirement stuff might've bumped it, but on national television, he put a South Carolina hat on. People were talking about that way beyond Columbia. Um, yeah. And you stood up to, I don't want to say a problem, but you stood up to really stiff competition everywhere from Oregon to Phil Knight. He apparently wants to be a doctor. That was something that, Beamer and the track coach Curtis Fry told us yesterday. So you got a pretty good medical program at Michigan. You sit up to obviously Maryland, like you said, we know LSU is in that mix for a little bit. Um, definitely the biggest recruiting win of the Shane Beamer era. Like not even a question. Um, biggest for the program. I don't know. Clowny Lattimore. Like, yeah, I mean, I probably Clowny or Lattimore for what they 
did or maybe even Stefan Gilmore for like what they did as they uh were building that little run that they went on from 20 2009 to 2013 or whatever um so it's on un, it's unclear yet I guess if it's gonna have that sort of impact right. but um it's the highest <clears throat> rated out-of-state recruit since Chris Culliver, who was a North Carolina five-star that didn't really pan out as a five-star back in 2007. Um, you got Marshawn Lloyd that was, you know, same area, uh, rivals five-star, but not a consensus five-star, which Nicholas Harbour is definitely a consensus five-star. Um, yeah, and, and, and speaking of that area, that DMV, like, pipeline that they've been trying to build and recruiting, uh, you just got the number one player out of there in addition to um you know two more of the top five players out of there and Tri babalade and desmond umio zulu um and then also a really solid uh db and zabari sandy um i think you also sydney fugars from that area is a transfer alignment coming in and you have maurice brown the second who's a walk-on tight end coming from that area so yeah i mean you cleaned up you got who you wanted out of there and it looks like in the 2024 class uh you have you have good inroads with more of the same i'm pretty sure the top target there is dylan stewart next year um and i feel pretty good about where South Carolina stands the, right there think of the 2024 class as we're recording now mazio bennett said his announcement will be tomorrow at noon eastern all right good to know so that's uh gamecock target who was committed to tennessee um decommitted to tennessee very shortly after a trip to Greenville High School from Justin Sepp and Shane Beamer. Um, and then he's kind of, you know, recruited around a little bit, but he we reported that he was on campus last Saturday um, in my weekly recruiting wrap-up last week. Um, that's some free premium information for you right there. Um, and then, yeah, so now he's announcing tomorrow. So that's, that's cool. Um, so yeah, the 2024 class is already off to a, a rocket start. I mean, they're ranked number eight in the rivals rankings right now. If you pick up Bennett, who's another four star, I imagine you, you shoot even higher than that. Yeah. Um, also quick note on rankings, um, after Nicholas Harbor signed yesterday, uh, it seems like the final, you know, maybe a couple of people that sign a little bit late. You don't necessarily have to sign yesterday, although it, it, most people do. Um, South Carolina is sitting at number 17, in the 2023 rankings which i believe for um rivals is the highest since 2017 or so sounds right uh, yeah 2018 something like that um so yeah i mean definitely the highest of the shane beamer area era um like you said nicholas harbour the highest rated recruit of the shane beamer era and something i wrote a lot about in nicholas harbour's commitment article was basically that i think it's just getting started um i think that this is a testament to how how hard of a recruiter Shane Beamer is um, and how the once you give him time to build these relationships, which he's had a relationship with Harbor since Harbor was like a freshman. Um, those things are starting to come home to roost. Uh, and I think we're seeing that very heavily in the 2024 class because they got in a on a lot of those guys early um, and we'll see it, you know, continue going forward. So momentum is is working right now i mean i know that some people were were a little down after some of the transfers and and the potential that some of those things were nil related and all that sort of thing but uh the recruiting machine seems to be working yeah no it, it definitely is and that's really 
it's more about as much as anything, the ability to, this goes into your 2024 point, And obviously we're nine months from early signing period for that now, but um, stacking classes, not just putting up a good recruiting class, but stacking a recruiting class on top of them. Um, a encouraging 2023 class that definitely ended very well, obviously with Harbor yesterday and Elijah Caldwell, by the way, we haven't talked about him, but um, through Sarah Stever from Rock Hill, South Carolina, put pen to paper yesterday too. Um, so you added another in-state prospect there. Um, and then you're off to, like you said, a great 2024 start. And we even have on our website from um, Lee Wardlaw, our recruiting editor, some 2025 content on the website right now, um, which you're way out on that class right now. But it sneaks up on you. And um, if you start stacking recruiting classes and you start getting guys with overlapping timelines, that's kind of where you start to see the magic happen, for lack of a better term, at least on the field. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, South Carolina actually just um, offered a 2025 in-state quarterback from Irmo this past week, too. His name is blanking on me right now. It's on the Insiders Forum if you want to go check that out. Um, and more info on that as it continues to develop. Uh, we got a comment from Elijah Kelly. It says, how you all feel about Franks? Uh, that's 2024 O-lineman Blake Franks, I assume, also from Greenville High School. So Mazio Bennett's teammate. I tell you what, um, <clears throat> Throughout the beginning of the process, um, I was feeling like he was definitely a heavy Clemson lean. Um, maybe a couple weeks ago, uh, I started to feel more 50-50 about it. And now I would probably, if I had to, I would put South Carolina as the leader there. Um, I got some insight on kind of what's going on there. I can't really name who, but um, basically uh, it seems like Clemson in a lot of ways is not recruiting in-state kids quite as hard uh, as, you know, maybe some of their national level things that they're looking at, which this is something that uh, they've kind of done for a while. And this is something I think, um, you know, led to the, the five game winning streak that South Carolina had over Clemson back in, you know, over a decade ago was uh, kind of overlooking under recruiting some of the the top guys in the back in their backyard, um, South Carolina, you know, doing their due diligence and and making sure that they feel value and focused on and kind of getting some steals there. And then you also have these guys that are motivated to to play hard against someone that they feel like you know really snubbed them. You know, by the way, I'm not saying like uh, Blake Franks isn't a take for Clemson or anything like that. I'm just saying I, I've heard that South that Franks has been impressed about how hard South Carolina is recruiting him compared to Clemson, even though uh, it seemed early on that he might trend towards Clemson. And yeah, if he land his, his teammate and Mazio Bennett, I, I imagine that that doesn't do anything to hurt. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about Frank's to answer your question, Elijah. Thanks for, thanks for my comment. Also, anyone else that's watching, feel free to ask some questions or, or leave some comments. Yeah, that would be another big one. You talk about that offensive line, uh, trying to build that. You have a new offensive line coach right now with Lonnie Teasley. This is his first. I know he was an analyst. This is his first full cycle on the recruiting trail. Beamer's talked about kind of how he feels like he can be good with that. Um, and obviously, you've kind of already seen it both with some of the portal kids that got on the offensive line. Um, and McCam Pringle just was, I guess that was last week. Now, uh, that would be a big win. That would be, again, you talk about stacking classes, stacking positionally too, stacking offensive tackles, going kind of with – this class, you know, you've got Big Tree, which I think we're going to get some of that in a second here. Um, that would be a big one. Yeah, I uh, 
So there's this fun game happening, I think, between I, I assume it's between people that run uh, or contribute to Gamecock Scoop, uh, Gamecock Central and the Big Spur, which are kind of the three big recruiting based um, South Carolina sites. Uh, so whenever someone commits, we all kind of race to the Gamecock subreddit to, to post the link. And I've lost the past few times, by the way. Uh, usually uh, the, the past few times the Big Spur has beat me to it. But yesterday I won and I, I got Harbor up first, which was kind of nice. And the mod over there is really nice. Um, I can't think of what his username is right now, but um, he's really nice, but he's like, whoever gets here first basically is the one that gets to stay. Um, is the link that gets to say. Um, but anyway, yesterday after I posted the Harbor news, someone commented basically like, what's going, what's happening? Like, I feel like every time I check this site, there's a new uh, four or five star recruit that's committing. And it really has felt that way lately. There's a, there's a lot of uh, momentum building on the trail. And I, and I know uh, Beamer mentioned yesterday also during the presser that he got a lot of texts from 2024 guys yep. um, on that Nicholas Harbor news. So yeah, I mean, these sorts of things, Recruiting momentum is real. Um, you know, it, if you see other people start to get in the boat, um, it kind of maybe makes you, if you were on the fence, it kind of makes you uh, think like, oh, well, maybe there is something going on in South Carolina. Um, also, I thought those of you uh, that want to check it out, that Nicholas Harbor interview that I mentioned earlier, it's on the, the front page of GamecockScoop.com. Um, he, he's very confident that like South Carolina's, uh, coming up and, and on to big things. He he mentioned like competing for a playoff spot, complete competing for a national championship. He he mentioned individual goals of competing for like a Heisman and competing for the Blintikoff. Um, so, you know, you got a guy that is physically talented and also seems to have the confidence uh, to use. It's going to be wild, like talking about confidence, talking about individual achievements. The very distinct possibility that Nicholas Harbor shows up late to 2024, like fall practices, because he's getting back from the Olympics in Paris, like the very real possibility of that happening or turning on the Olympics, you know, it's midnight, whatever here, or I guess it wouldn't be for Paris, but you know, it's there's stuff going on thousands of miles away. Oh, it's in South Carolina's tight end running the Olympics in the hundred meters. Like the concept oh, of that is crazy to me, but so that's something Bieber brought. He used the word Olympics yesterday. Um, in his press conference, that's something they talked about with Nicholas Harbor's parents or his mom, at least he said. Um, that matters. Like, that's part of this. Um, I think, I don't know how we've gone this long, I'm not talking about it. Curtis Fry, the track coach at South Carolina, uh, Shane Beamer walked into that room yesterday and gave him a hug before he started talking to us. Um, Curtis Fry did speak to us, which I've never covered a recruitment with a coach from another sport talking to us in the presser. Um, Got to give him a big shout out here, too. Beamer said he had the assist on all of this. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, he Beamer started the press conference saying that Harbor wouldn't um, without a good track program, without good academics, and without a good football program. Um, and seemingly, you know, South Carolina hit all the boxes there. Um, and we were talking before this that, yeah, Co Curtis Fry has had a you know pretty storied history. He's produced, I believe, five Olympic medalists um, in his time in South Carolina. And then, yeah, he also coached the women's um, – Olympic team, uh, few 2004. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, he's, he's an experienced guy and he should be able to get the most out of Harbor. I, we also were talking, if you want a little bit more inside baseball notes here, um, I heard from some Oregon sources that when Harbor went on his official visit 
to Oregon, the track coach, uh, stayed behind, even though the track team was on a track meet in Texas. And, you know, I, as, as I heard that news, I was just kind of like, Hmm, like, does that impress me as a recruit that he let the track team go and, you know, stay behind and made sure to meet with me face to face maybe, but does that also give me like a little bit of like, Oh, well, he isn't there coaching the track team right now because he's meeting with a recruit. Like, is that going to happen to me while I'm on campus right. too? Um, you know, I'm purely speculating, speculating here just from what my perspective of, of that, uh, would be, but yeah, so that, that was interesting, but yeah, so South Carolina's track program, uh, checked enough of the boxes. And I, I think that so, uh, South Carolina's academics check the boxes and, obviously excited about the football program we have we do have a film breakdown on gamecockscoop.com right now uh, that you can check out and um beamer talked about it a little bit yesterday but we're expecting harbor to play like a tight end wide receiver sort of hybrid um definitely splitting out a lot he mentioned not putting his hand in the ground and trying to block defensive ends very much um which you know i i agree if you're going to play him on offense uh use that speed as an offensive weapon um you know, early on, there was some thought that he could develop into an edge player. Uh, he still probably would be really good at that if he could bulk up and, um, you know, like put on put on some SEC weight to deal with some offensive tackles and stuff. But because he is trying to be an Olympic level sprinter, uh, he's not going to do that. So, uh, you know, split out wide, get the ball in his hands. I uh, see how far Spencer Rattler can throw it to him on a nine route. You know, that's uh, what do you, let's play. I mean, we'll forget this by August, but like, let's say the first snap of the season, you've got Rattler five offensive linemen, obviously, if you had to put someone on the field right now, you know, first and 10 of your own 25 after a touchback in Charlotte, who would your other five be like Wells Harbor, probably Juju McDowell in the backfield. And then maybe like Leggett and AB. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's possible you have a different running back in there, either right. Mario Anderson or or maybe someone else you pick up in the portal in the spring. Um, but yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, maybe Joiner instead of AB just depends on what sort of look you're trying to create because I feel like those guys are going to play an, an almost equal amount. Um, AB, of course, is a more uh, traditional receiver and then Joiner as someone that you want to make sure that you putting in there as a, that utility weapon that he, that he is and making teams kind of think about it. So, but yeah, that sounds about right to me. Um, as far as the starting, I mean, you've got chances to run. I mean, geez, you can run anything with tight ends. Now you're going to have Joshua Simon in there and Nick Elkskin, Elkskin is in there. You're going to have, uh, Trey, Trey Knox. Knox. Yeah. yeah. Um, Connor Cox, which we've heard good things about as a true freshman coming in from Jacksonville. Like you can, so we talked about the quarterback room being crowded a couple weeks ago. That tight end room is really crowded now with Harbor here. Definitely. But like, like I said, I don't think he's going to spend too much time actually in line right. at tight end. It'd be um, a waste like, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, all right. We just talked 30 minutes on Harbor. Uh, that we could probably could just keep going on and on about it. Um, but hopefully that scratches that itch for you guys. And hopefully got some, some, but I don't think you'll get particularly anywhere else. Um, Let's talk just about the class in general, right? 2023 class, uh, pretty much tying a, a bow on it at this point. 
like I said, ends up uh, number 17 in the team recruiting ranking for rivals. You got 24 total commitments. And I thought we'd kind of look at a, like four class superlatives real quick. Um, so we'll just go back and forth on this. Uh, who do you think makes an immediate impact? And of course, like some of these might have more than one answer uh, or you might have saved it for someone else. Um, but yeah, who do you think makes an e immediate impact out of uh, those 2023 signees? Yeah, I'm going to try to give four different answers here just for the sake of conversation. Um, and as for immediate impact, I'm going to I'm actually going to put two at a tie here because they play the same position and obviously can both get reps. Um, and that would be uh, Desmond Umiazulo and Montague Rames. Um, you're thin at defensive end. We talked about that last week. Um, you're hoping to get Jordan Strawn back. But even if you do, it's still not a fully deep area it sounds like willis um jared willis the old miss transfer coming in is going to be kind of more linebacker than like a hand in the ground defensive end i asked people about that yesterday um so yeah i think those two incoming freshman defensive ends both of whom are rated well with rivals both of whom it seems like the program's really high on charlie lucas is i think either of them could play big snaps and i wouldn't be surprised if both of them do just given the depth or lack of depth in that position group yeah, I think probably my initial answer would be Umi Ozulu too, but I'm but to to change it up and continue com conversation, I'm going to say Pup Howard. Um, it's a linebacker, very highly thought of. He came in early enough to start practicing with the team during bowl practice, so he's going to have plenty of reps uh, by the time the fall rolls around. Um, and yeah, you're at a position of need, and uh, I think he he would also probably be my answer for for the underrated one that we're going to talk about in a second. Um, because he's a three-star on rivals, but I, I don't see any way that he's not a four-star uh, just based off of my eyes uh, or whatever. But, you know, sometimes rankings are, are tough and, and pe people disagree or whatever. Um, but, yeah, so Pup Howard's my media impact guy other than, you know, Nick, Nick Harbour. But we're going to try to talk about him in a little bit later, I think. Um, so that's our media impact for three uh also one more quick note while we're on the 2023 class before we we get into this um i forgot to mention so some of you may have seen that we should have 25 commitments instead of 24 um Xavier hardy who was a d-line prospect four star um he is going to have to kind of take the long way to south carolina uh, hopefully, you know, he still ends up there. Um, he is going to go to East Mississippi Community College for JUCO, um, which is the same place that Elijah Davis, who was also an in-state guy originally and, and was recruited by South Carolina originally before having to do a little work in JUCO first. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's already a relationship between EMCC and South Carolina. So you hope that, you know, they kind of help guide Hardy uh, through that process and, and back to South Carolina in a couple years. Um, but yeah, he's going to have to do that, which we reported that back in December on the Insiders Forum. But again, it's not something that we would have uh, shared, you know, to the free podcast or whatever until now. Um, anyway, 2023 class superlatives. Who is your hidden gem of the class? Yeah, it's tough. There's a lot of there's a lot of guys who we talked about this before. A lot of guys who we feel like might be underrated. Maybe didn't get the star or the, the overall number in that ranking class that we feel like they should have. Um, I'm going to say Zabari Sandy. Um, I guess technically he's the highest rated three-star in this class, at least according to the rivals rankings. Uh, so maybe that doesn't count as underrated, although he is still a three-star. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a sneaky chance. That cornerback room is, 
there's a lot of options there. There's a lot of, we talked about this last week. There's a lot of guys who got reps in the bowl game. Um, there's a lot of guys with the staff, maybe things could be sneaky good. Um, Anthony Rose, Emory Floyd, or Donald Fortune. Um, I think Zabari Sandy has a chance to play a little bit next year. Um, just because you're losing Cam Smith, you're losing Darius Rush. Um, I would be my answer. I'm curious yours. By the way, did you see that Darius Rush rep from the senior bowl yesterday that went viral? Yeah, I mean, he was blanketing that dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Um, he he seems to be doing well. I mean, I think he's gonna bump up some if he if he continues to perform uh through the senior bowl and through the combine, I think he's gonna bump up some yeah. some draft boards for sure. Um, my underrated answer is actually someone we just talked about, uh Elijah Davis, who uh, is a JUCO defensive tackle. He's only a three-star on rivals, but sometimes the JUCO rankings kind of like lag behind a little bit. He's considered like the runner number two JUCO defensive line prospect in this class in the nation. So um, I think that he's going to probably step in and, and contribute immediately this year um, and maybe someone that is being overlooked a little bit when you just purely look at the star rankings. Um, you know, he had... I, you know, it's sometimes hard to tell like how committable offers are or whatever by the end. But I mean, if you look at his offer list, it's the who's who of the sec, Alabama, Tennessee, you know, everyone. And uh, I think South Carolina, you know, he wanted to go to South Carolina. So a lot of those guys probably backed off uh, once they realized that it wasn't going to happen or whatever, but um, people wanted him and he's going to, he's going to make a big impact pretty much immediately. I think, um, what about your biggest surprise of the class? That's the person that you were uh, South Carolina to land. Is it too cliche if I just say Harbor? I mean, I don't have a whole lot else to like add to that. You were a lot more in on the day-to-day recruiting battle kind of territory stuff than I was. I, all right, I'll, I wasn't for the, for the sake of a different answer, even though I do think it's Harbor, he maybe wasn't, Surprised by the end of it, we thought he was coming. But for a lot of this fall, I did not think Lenora Sellers was coming. He was committed to Syracuse pretty strongly. He that quarterback room was already pretty crowded. Um, I once he kind of popped off at the end of the year. He popped off in the state playoffs in South Carolina high school football. We kind of were starting to hear things that all right, yeah, he's probably going to flip. Um, but just in terms of guys who maybe when we sat here at the start of the season, I did not think would be coming other than Harbor. I'm going to say Lenora Sellers. Yeah, and, and that's another thing that uh, Shane mentioned in his interview with Adam Gorney yesterday. Again, you can find that on the site, but um, was how much they prioritized the in-state kids. Um, and he mentioned Sellers as one of those things. But I wasn't sure he was going to flip either because of how late uh, South Carolina waited to offer him. Uh, yeah. I don't think he got offered until October, November, something like that. Um and Syracuse has, had obviously prioritized him throughout the process, but uh, you know South Carolina did a good job making up ground, and yeah, that's that was a good signing. And I don't know, you know, how that's going to shake out. We talked, we've talked about it before that that quarterback room is very, very crowded. But I think when you have an athlete that's um, performing the way that he is, and he's in state right down the road, you you go get him. I mean, why not? You got to. Um, give guys like that a chance, especially if they're in state, uh, you're building relationships in the state on top yep. of just, you know, taking a chance on a guy that just went off <laughs> in the playoffs and, and won a state championship. Um, my biggest size other than Harbor, uh, although I, I, 
I'm I wasn't surprised in the sense. No, that- you had I'll get yeah you had the feature cast in before the season even started, so maybe not a surprise to you. <laughs> but I mean, I was I was surprised in the hours leading up that it flipped back. I'll tell you that once, right. and and maybe this is a little bit of just following South Carolina as a, as a fan for so many years and all that. Like I definitely maybe take on the losers mentality of it a little bit. So once yeah, Caleb, find some joy. <laughs> once the. Uh, the, the momentum had shifted to Oregon yesterday morning. I, I was like, okay, I mean, that makes sense. This is a very South Carolina thing to do where uh, someone bigger and, uh, you know, more nationally relevant brand or whatever swoops in and uh, takes it away at the 11th hour. Um, so I was a little surprised that it flipped back uh, if we're talking surprises there. But if we're talking about throughout the process, um, I think Dontavious Braswell, uh, running back out of Georgia was probably the biggest surprise. And that's just because he like he played with us uh, in the media, which I, I don't I thought it was hilarious. I, I think some media people got a little offended. I don't care. You know, whatever. Like the recruits don't have to talk to me. Uh, recruits don't have to talk to anybody like it's it's a, a cool part of this business to get to know people. And, uh, you know, you hope that the information that you're getting is uh, accurate and stuff. But I mean, it's 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 not their obligation. So what happened with Braswell, if you don't remember, is he really he, he had a really good visit to South Carolina. Kind of everyone was thinking, oh, he's going to go to South Carolina. Then he went to Nebraska, I believe. And then he released the top five. And when he released the top five, South Carolina wasn't even on the top five. Uh, and you're like, he, I think he released the top five and set a commitment date. And without South Carolina on the top five and a commitment date upcoming, you're kind of like, all right, well, I guess South Carolina is out of it. Um, and then we got some buzz. Uh, actually, I have a good contact at uh, Nebraska, um, Zach Carpenter. If you're interested in Nebraska, go check out his site on Rivals. It's really good. Um, but he he kind of tipped me off a couple of days before Braswell signed that like, oh, maybe South Carolina is in this, but he's kind of trying to dupe everyone, like whatever. Um, so we did you know, at least have time to pre-write an article and, and all those sorts of things. But uh, that was one that whenever that top five came out, I, you know, reported on the board and was like, this doesn't make sense based off of how good the visit went that, as far as we heard, right. but this is what he's saying. So I guess we're going to take him for his word. Um, so that was, that was a fun surprise. Uh, that was over the summer, this past summer. Uh, and the last for 2023 class who's the player that you're just personally most looking forward to to seeing out there on the field uh i'm taking i'm full circle in this i'm taking your first answer uh pup howard um partly because he's the only one of them i've actually seen with my own eyes on a football field in columbia or i guess jacksonville i was there for the bowl practices not technically columbia but we've heard a lot about him we know he's going to play a lot he was someone shane beamer cannot stop saying good things about just in terms of a guy who really wants to be here, who is helping to recruit other players. We know it's at a position of need at linebacker. We think he's underrated. He kind of checks all the boxes of a guy who a can play immediately and can play well immediately. Um, And apparently he's got this really great personality that we're all going to get to know, at least according to Shane Beamer and other people who have kind of followed his recruiting. So my answer is Pup Howard, um, but I'm curious yours if you have a non-Harbor one. Yeah, I mean Harbor's the easy. It's one kind of a given. Like, how, how, yeah. How about I do like a, a group answer, but kind of break down what I mean. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the the pass catchers in this group kind of play out. So we've talked about how the wide receiver room um, is aging out after this year, or 
draft, you know, going to be drafted or whatever. Like, oh, you're probably going to lose four or five guys after this year um, from that wide receiver room. And the last couple of last class, 2022 class, didn't have a ton of wide receiver talent come in. You had Landon Sampson, which we've talked about being interested to see how that's going to play out. But um, and this class is like the smorgasbord board of um, different folks. You have Kelton Henderson and CJ Adams, who are both classified as athletes under um, the rival system, but they're very different. <laughs> Kelton Henderson's a six foot, 180, like burner, uh, very shifty. I think he probably has the potential to be the best wide receiver out of this class. If you're not talking about Harbor, who's going to be, you know, a utility guy or whatever. Um, and then CJ Adams is also considered an athlete by rivals, but he's 6'3, 210. Uh, so, and, and if you watch his film, he's a lot more of a like jump ball sort of, um, body control receiver. So two very different guys that I think both could play a role, but it's kind of hard to know how that's going to work out. And then another guy I'm kind of interested in is this tight end Cameron Sandlin, um, who we haven't talked a ton about, but he played quarterback mostly in high school. And if you watch his film, he looks like Cam Newton, basically he's like, <laughs> he's like six, three, two there let's see 220 but i, I would say he, he might even be bigger out to 225 230 and so many times he would just like take the ball and just quarterback uh power and just run through people and then run away from people um so i'm interested to see how that translates to to college because he's got a big body uh got pretty good speed got pretty good hands um but he hasn't played a ton at that position so yeah those, that's a couple of the pass catchers that i'm kind of interested to see how it plays out i don't know that we'll see it this year because the wide receiver room is so veteran and deep but um heading into next year i think several of those guys will probably look to be uh, the next man up yeah you might see some red shirts in that room this year just because it is so crowded there's so many you know older guys who are going to get reps and you got to work harbor and they're obviously you've got these tight ends you've gotten the portal um there's only so many balls to be caught um you know Definitely. Uh, were there any other football notes or, or National Signing Day presser notes that you wanted to hit on before we talk a little bit about the the other sports that are in season right now? It's about all I had. I just I would say to people, enjoy this. You've got all next season to stress. You've got all lead up to the season to stress. You've got, you know, a May signing period for the transfer portal to worry about the roster. For today, it is February 2nd right now. Just enjoy it. Like South Carolina landed Nicholas Harbor. It actually happened. That wasn't supposed to happen at this time yesterday. Um, it certainly didn't sound like it was going to at this time yesterday. Um, and that can be a game changer. And for right now, it's kind of all you need to think about, at least in terms of the football program. Totally. And I am interested to see um, what public facing, meaning things that we can share and talk about, uh, NIL things uh, start to play out with him. I know he signed with Champ Sports, which uh, also Gigi Jackson recently signed with. Um, and then he's got uh, a deal with like prospects, but I don't really know how, how that's going to work once they arrive on campus. If you go to their site, you can kind of see it, but it's like an NFT trading card sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I imagine we'll see some Columbia area deals with that too if you're a charleston like boat harbor sort of thing maybe they, you got something yeah there, there you go there you go <laughs> I, I yeah you know if you want to pay me for a consultation fee for that tip, <laughs> you, you um 
All right, so we are in the midst of basketball season. Um, we don't have to talk about men's basketball that long, but let's just briefly hit on the last week. So they went to Athens, um, played really, really tough against Georgia, went into overtime, ultimately lost that game, blew a, what was the 12-point 12 12 point lead uh, late in that one. And um, you, it kind of seemed like they were a little hungover in the other game this week, uh, home against Mississippi State, a Mississippi State's team that, is also one and seven in the SEC, just like South Carolina, or they were heading into the game. Um, and really just, from what I could tell, never fully woke up in that one. Um, I, I know you were at both those games, so I don't know if you want to speak on them a little bit. Sleepy game. Well, first of all, we'll start We'll start at the front in Athens Saturday. Um, that felt panicky to me, which kind of – it sort of tracks with some of the other stuff we talked about with this team, how they don't handle it well when things aren't going well. They tend to kind of fold quickly. Um, this wasn't a fold quickly kind of deal. It's just Georgia – and this is kind of what I wrote about. But Georgia went into a full-court press about the time they were down 10, down 12, like mid-second half. And South Carolina couldn't handle it. They couldn't get the ball up the floor. They had, I think, five turnovers and seven possessions at one point to kind of let Georgia back in that game. You'd probably like to see a timeout from Lamont Paris at some point in there just to like calm guys down. I think the quote of that game and kind of my quote for this team this year is Hayden Brown after that game said, we need to just take a chill pill and play basketball. Chill. That's kind of my general feeling on this team. When things aren't going well, when you're in a scoring slump, uh, when there's frustration setting in, I saw some more of that from this team as that game was kind of getting away on Tuesday against Mississippi State. Chill. It's basketball. You can miss more shots than you make. Can you give up shots? You're playing teams with more talent than you. That's kind of what, you know, we're halfway through SEC play right now. They're uh, hosting Arkansas here on Saturday, um, which is probably going to be another rough one, just at least in terms of the talent that team has. Um, chill. It's basketball. Just keep working to develop. Um, that would kind of be about where I am. Uh, just, I don't know. This team feels very... There's, there's physical blocks with the talent, obviously, but there's clear mental blocks here, too. And I kind of thought that's what cost them that game against Georgia and hung over, bled into that Mississippi State game, too. Yeah, and again, you're kind of running out of time to see the improvement that you want to see. I mean, there's, what, four home games left? Four home, there's nine games left total. You're halfway through that 18-game SEC schedule as we speak right now. Yeah, so you... I, I, I I wish I had more analysis at this point on um, what's going on there. One thing I will say, um, I've seen some like Twitter buzz that is like uh, skipping out on media opportunities and stuff. That's that's not true. As I, don't far know as I, know. That, I don't know where that rumors come. Well, the, the way I read it was like post game pressers that he hasn't, and I'm like, he showed up for every post game presser. We've been had at every home game for them. On, every home uh, game, and I've been at three road games now or at least two he's been everywhere he's been asked to be at least post game so yeah so i just wanted to nip that in the bud for whoever <laughs> is spreading that i don't i don't know what's going on there but um you know you you can question whether or not that was the right hire and whether or not it's working <laughs> but i don't know let's not lie about it um yeah. but uh Let's let's talk about a more encouraging subject, uh, which is the women's basketball team. So they kind of also had a sleepy game, but they are filled with McDonald's all Americans. So really <laughs> you can sleep through uh, those. Yeah. Um, um, so they yeah they beat uh, Alabama at home, and then of course this Sunday they have the big showdown at UConn. 
Uh, we're going to be there. Alan's yes. going to be there. Not weird, but Gamecock Scoop is going to be there, uh, represented by Alan. Uh, we'll also have Pauline there for photographs and some social media stuff. So big game, really excited. Um, what What's your team and looking ahead to UConn? Yeah, I think kind of kind of what I wrote about on last Sunday at Alabama, which you can you can check out. Um, the only other three uh, recruiting websites that were there, by the way. So if you want some exclu- exclusive content from Tuscaloosa, I was there. Um, this team is really good at finding ways to win, even when they're not playing well. It's basketball. The shots are going to miss sometimes. There's three starting guards in that game. Kiera Fletcher, Zaya Cook, and Bree Beal, who have all been playing really well the last month. We're three for 25 shooting on Sunday, which you're going to shoot 12% sometimes. That's basketball. And they still find a way to win. Uh, Bree Hall off the bench, uh, 18 points, scored a career high. And that's kind of my point going into Sunday um, with UConn. This is a UConn team that's injured to hell. They were down to seven scholarship players at one point. I think they're up to eight now. They had about one player back, but they're beaten up. They're really talented. I mean, they're still, I think they've only lost in their 21 and two this year as their record number five in the country. Uh, they don't have the depth right now, at least from a body standpoint, even though they're obviously, they, they're only going eight deep, but they're really talented. And I do think South Carolina ultimately finds a way to win that game on Sunday, just from a depth standpoint, should being able to go, 10, 11, 12 players deep. I am interested to see how they handle that environment, though. Um, I know they did go to Stanford. It's kind of a smaller gym. I think it was like six or 7,000 people, even though it was obviously a great opponent they were playing. You know, they went to Maryland. Okay, that was something. But you're you're going to UConn here. There's 16,000 people that are expected to be there. It's on the road. It's a national title game rematch. I don't, you know, I haven't seen that been talked about much, but it is. I'm interested to see how some of these younger players – handle that environment, um, if the younger players even get in the game, or if this is just going to be a Don Staley riding those seniors, riding those players who have been there a lot. Um, it's going to be interesting. You've got, you know, for those of you who have maybe checked out on the women, which you shouldn't anyway, but because they're so good, they're winning so many blowouts, whatever. You've got UConn and LSU in the next next two Sundays back-to-back. Um, it's like we're here. This is crunch time. There's eight games left in the regular season um, and seven after tonight because they're hosting Kentucky. Um UConn and LSU coming up. This is this is where it's about to get about to get nitty gritty. And before I talk a little bit more about women's basketball, I did just see we have a YouTube comment from No Playing De Niro. Um, he he says, "Will Nick play tight end or defensive end?" Um, we broke that down a, a good bit earlier in the episode, so definitely go check that out uh, after we're done. But uh, tight end, uh, tight end, wide receiver, but expecting him more on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and Shane Beamer talked about that. He may have talked about it in the presser, but he definitely talked about it with Adam Gorney on his full interview that you can find on GamecockScoop.com. Uh, but he said that basically that was one of the questions that Nick asked Nick asked him on Tuesday afternoon when they were FaceTiming was like how the, he's going to be used. Um, and yeah, Beamer said basically he doesn't expect to put his hand in the ground very often. So, you know, he might line up closer to the line here and there, but it seems like more often than not, he's going to be standing up and and playing receiver as a offensive weapon. Um, you know, maybe should things change track and Olympic wise, some at some point during his career, he could be found on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but we're projecting right now that he's going to be an offensive guy. Um, as far as women's uh, basketball goes, yeah, I I mean I'm really excited to to watch this game, and it is I mean it's a good problem to have, but it is sometimes easy through the the stretch of incomparable teams that they've been playing to kind of check out because they're just they're a lot of drama like you're 
going to show up. And even when you have your bad game, like you, you just mentioned, even when you shoot 12% from three, uh, you, what, what by 10 or 13. So, like, yeah. Yeah. So ho-hum. Um, but you can't show up with that. Uh, you, you really probably can't show up with that tonight and you can't show up with that on Sunday for sure. No, I'm interested to see how they come out tonight. I mean, they're way more talented than Kentucky. and It's a home game tonight. They've been playing better at home than on the road. Um, just from the, you know, everyone said yesterday, okay, it's not a trap game. It's an SEC game. We've got to say perfect in the league. Um, I'm interested to see. It's human nature to look ahead. You've got these two top five showdowns the next two Sundays, and you got a game tonight against a team that's, I think, one and seven. I think maybe the one, two and seven in the conference right now. Um I'm going to see how they come out tonight just from a take care of business standpoint um, and kind of see how some of the rotations look going into a huge week here. A, as far as regular season goes, you're not going to get a much bigger week than two top five teams in seven days. Um, yeah. So where's well, that coming up? When you wonder if the Bama game was a little bit of that bye week hangover too. Yes. Um, so you have an opportunity tonight kind of firing on all, all cylinders before that stretch comes up. Um and then the last thing I wanted to talk to you really quickly about um, those of you that, you know, are more of a men's sports uh, fans or whatever, and you've been discouraged by the men's basketball team thus far through the season. Guess what? It's February and February means there's, <laughs> some, there's some baseball happening here at the end. Of the month. Um, so the, uh, the team started doing some, some public scrimmages. They've had like five or six. I know we have some, uh, photo galleries from the first couple last weekend and then you were able to go yesterday you had a crazy day yesterday by the way um you we you ended up with a, a story from every sport all four yeah uh, um, yeah no uh yeah, i took ch- checked it out yesterday um straight from beamers slash curtis for ice presser i guess to uh to baseball yesterday they uh i got some notes on the website right now they kind of did a bullpen game i think what they're maybe trying to do right now is getting guys on the schedule they're going to be on you saw will sanders and noah hall throw last friday okay those are your weekend guys you saw some of the other weekend contenders throw last saturday and yesterday was a wednesday so i think you saw a lot of the guys who were planning to be on midweeks pitch yesterday um there were 10 different pitchers who got in the game yesterday um i think they all they all threw one inning or one half inning i guess in a five inning game uh I want to talk quickly about Caleb Denny, who's someone we haven't really seen a lot of because he was hurt in the fall. He had coming off an elbow injury. He is one of those 10 transfers Mark Kingston brought in. He's from Oral Roberts University. He's listed as an outfielder, infielder. I've only seen him play outfield so far in the scrimmages. Um, he went 4-4 yesterday. He hit a homer. Um, he hit two homers last weekend, apparently. Um, so if you want to do the math there, I think I heard someone say he's 7 for 11 with three homers since they've picked up scrimmages again which is the first time he's played at all in Columbia because he didn't play in the fall. Keep an eye on that name from a position player standpoint, because they're going to need bats to step up somewhere. We kind of talked about that last episode. Um, and a guy who really nobody knows about is kind of a wild card. He hasn't played at all for South Carolina and he really didn't even play in the fall either. Like I said, so it seems like he might be coming on here now um, tomorrow will be two weeks till opening day. Yeah. So uh, do you remember who they open with? Is it Oral Roberts? No, it's UMass Lowell. UMass Lowell. That really um, elite non-conference scheduling here. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, it's always fun to play those uh, northern teams early in the season, too, because they've been practicing. Uh, in the snow. In like, <laughs> yeah, really just indoors. They don't even get to do a full thing. Um, I taught high school in Rhode Island for 
six years. And a lot of the times they will uh, just have to practice in the gym until like the end of March. So you're definitely playing from a disadvantage there. Um, But yeah. All right. So that uh, pretty much covers all of that for right now. If you want to read more on any of those, uh, they're all on the front page of uh, GameCocksGroup.com right now. Because like I said, Alan wrote four different articles on four different sports yesterday. Uh, thank you. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I, I have some more coverage on Nicholas Harbor. Uh, uh, Coach Perry McCarty uh, just did a film room breakdown on Nicholas Harbor. That's also on GameCocksGroup.com. Um, we have, let's see, uh tons of recruiting stuff Everything, still yeah. coming uh, we tomorrow. shift our focus to four um and then like i said women's basketball men's basketball and uh baseball all kind of coming up so it's this is the quote-unquote dead period and i i will say after the last week that i've had i'm kind of looking forward to a little bit of a break um but it's not really a break here. We're constantly putting out new content. We'll start looking toward spring practice and the 2023 football season here shortly as well. Um, by the way, if you missed them, we the last two episodes, we went into the depth chart uh, or the projected depth, depth chart for 2023 on offense and defense, although changes the math a little bit with Nick Harbour now in the boat. Um, but anyway, uh, we will be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, go check out GameCockScoop.com. And uh, until next time, we'll see you.